had to call this one worth the wait. There's a few things that was definitely worth the wait for this episode, episode 204 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. First, Brent McKenney, former girls basketball coach in Mendota. He is now at Pena, took the job over the summer. We spoke in July, late July. Olympics were going on. NBA finals had just ended. And we've waited until September 28th to get it out. Crazy. But it's a fantastic conversation. A lot of good stuff from Brent. He's a great dude, great coach. Got a lot going on for him. He's a family man, loves the game of basketball, loves all sports. And we talk about all of that. Great guy. I know I just said that, but it was really, really fantastic speaking to him. And next time we are going to do it in a more timely manner because we will keep up with Brent McKinney and see what he's doing in his next girls basketball adventure. Also worth the wait, Mendota is winning games. The football team is now 4-1 after defeating Hall on Saturday. Today, Tuesday, just a few days ago, we spoke to Mendota senior quarterback Ted Langraff after the 43-34 victory against Hall both in the Three Rivers Conference. So there's a lot of worth the wait there. Worth the wait because coming into the season, since 2015, Mendota had only won six games. They've already won four and have an opportunity to either equal or pass six games in one season. They've obviously put in the work, obviously know the game. It's definitely worth the wait. Like, it's fun to watch them. People are talking about Mendota again, as a good football team instead of a bottom of a conference or getting destroyed every week. That is a great thing for Mendota and the whole Illinois Valley. We like to talk about our football, our basketball, our baseball, all our sports the best that we can. If you have a good team, all the surrounding towns are talking about you. And that's happening to Mendota right now. Well worth the wait. Also worth the wait, like I said, Mendota played Hall and it had that rivalry feel. It was chippy. They were pushing. They were getting upset. There were aggressive plays. Ted Landgraf in our chat after the game spoke about a hit on Christian Valdez, which knocked him out for a little bit. He was laying on the field, not motionless, but pretty close. He got hit really, really hard from a Hall player. Ted Landgraf called it a blindside. I did not see the hit, but I do know that he got hit really, really hard and was laying there for a little bit. That's things that you're going to see in a rivalry game. Mendota has not had that in quite some time as they were in the big Northern Conference. Teams that are an hour north or an hour and a half northeast or west and had no relations, no connections to Mendota whatsoever. Hall, Spring Valley is not too far. St. Bede in Peru, not too far. Princeton, Kiwani. These are rivalry matchups that Mendota is going to come to play Every game. I think in the past, they didn't have that want that, oh, let's get these guys. Because they didn't even know who these guys were. Now, they got it. It was well worth the wait because now it is fun to go to these games and relive, rejuvenate those rivalries. The chats with Ted Langraff and Brent McKinney are brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. And I'm your host, Brandon LaChance, doing Edge of Your Seat podcast. 
Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Talking some football, talking some sports, all kinds of stuff. Monday Night Football just ended. The Dallas Cowboys, a big win over Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott looked good. Zeke Elliott looked good. And it helped my pick'ems for the week a little bit. Didn't make them look good, though, as I finished 9-7, and seven, which is not good. Not good. But we got all that to talk about. Let's dive a little bit more into that Hall-Mendota game. Like I said, talk to Ted Landgraf after the game. 43-34 victory for Mendota. Mendota is now 4-1. Hall is now 1-4 overall. In the Three Rivers Conference Mississippi Division, Kiwani is at the top. They're 5-0, 3-0 in the conference. Mendota, Princeton, and St. Bede come after Kiwani as all three schools are 4-1 with a 2-1 conference record. Newman is 3-2, Burrow Valley is 2-3, and, and Hall is at the bottom of the conference, 1-4. Burrow Valley and Hall are 0-2 in the conference. That's how the Three Rivers Conference Mississippi Division breaks down. And we will get to all of those scores, accomplishments, right after we talk a little bit more about Trojans and the Red Devils. Mendota had 436 offensive yards. Hall, 257. On the ground, Mendota, 394 yards. In the air, 56. Hall had 269 yards on the ground. Did not have a completed pass. They went 0 of 3 with one interception in the passing game. And yes, they had more rushing yards than they finished total yards because they did take a negative 12 yards and a couple fumbles and things like that being tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Top players. Macrasetich went off for Hall. 14 carries. That's it. Only 14. 155 yards and three touchdowns. He had a 61-yard blast. He had a 43-yard blast. And then the blue-collar workman-like one-yard dash of the middle. Turnovers for Hall. They lost a fumble, and they had an interception. The Trojans. We already said his name once, twice, three, four. We'll say it a lot. Ted Landgraf as the quarterback. He went four of 12, had three interceptions. On the ground is where he made his money, though. 19 rushes, 164 yards. Workmanlike effort. Uzi Angulo had 18 carries for 86 yards. Damian Magdalena's 14 carries for 83 yards and two touchdowns. Mendota has got a very versatile offense. Landgraf can throw. He showed that he's got a gun. They have many guys that can carry the ball. Landgraf from the backfield can get moving, obviously, 164 yards. And Hall was kind of doing the same thing. Makrasetich, Caleb Savage, Dominic Garini, all three of them taking handoffs, moving the chains for Hall. It was a crazy back and forth game. First quarter, Hall's up 12-7. Then it's tied 14-14 at halftime because Mendota, the only touchdown of the quarter. Third quarter starts crazy. Those interceptions started happening. Hall gets two touchdowns, take a 28-14 lead. End of the third, Mendota gets in the end zone to cut it, 28-21. Red Devils lead going in the fourth quarter. Trojans outscore the Red Devils 15-6 in the fourth. That equals your 43-34 victory. It was back and forth, both teams in it until the very end. Crazy, crazy, hardcore Saturday high school football game. If you weren't there, hopefully you listened on WAJK FM 99.3. 
Aaron, Pelican, and myself. We're breaking down the game. We're not in the press box, actually, because a room, tight fits. We were on the bleachers right outside of the press box. It was pretty crazy. It was a weird environment. Awkward as wind is blowing papers away. You had the PA announcer right in your ear. So you're trying to battle, concentrate as you're delivering a football broadcast. I think we did good. I think it sounded solid. We were trying to give you the best information about the Trojan Red Devil game as possible. We're on to week six already. It's insane. Week five is over. Moving into week six. And it was just like football just started. I think that's the story of it every single year. As we said before, Mendota Ford is a community dealership and it is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of general manager Ski Hartman and his associates Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranik is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. Let's break down the week five scores, all kinds of awesome football stuff happening around the area. Amboy, Lamoille, Ohio, just fell to Milford Cisna Park, 48 to 46. That's a basketball score. Wow. But with the loss, Amboy drops to two and three in their eight-man football league. Sterling Newman picked up the win over Burrow Valley, 26-14. This gives Newman their 10th straight win against the Storm. They have not lost to the Storm in their last 10 meetings. That is pretty impressive. Hard to do that year in and year out. But it starts with Newman's defense. They held Burrow Valley to 43 yards in the first half and I believe about 65 in the second half. That is a tough defense, not allowing any yards. Chains not moving. Byron stays undefeated. They are 5-0 with a 49-7 victory over North Boone. Cole City is now 3-2 after they defeated Lyle. 24-12. DeKalb fell below 500 with a 40-21 loss to Naperville North. Dixon picked up a huge victory in the Big Northern Conference with a 53-26 win over Winnebago. It was Dixon's homecoming game. They scored seven touchdowns in their first eight drives. They had it going on. They were moving. Dixon is now 4-1. They are right behind Byron at the top of the Big Northern Conference. Byron 5-0 has got it locked down right now. Dixon, Genoa Kingston, and Stillman Valley all at 4-1. Tough football conference, no doubt. Fuelcrest still hasn't picked up a win. Still trying. They're fighting, clawing, scratching 
They'll get one before the year's over. They fell to Leroy, 34-18. Sterling shut out Geneseo, 31-0. This puts Sterling at the top of the Western Big Six Conference. They are 3-0 in the conference, 4-1 overall. Geneseo is 2-3 overall. In what I thought was the biggest game of the week, Kiwani defeated Princeton 49-21. Both teams ranked coming into the week. Kiwani showing that they're the real deal. I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. Their rushing game, their defense, they're tough. Very, very tough. And Princeton looking like they were a state championship team. Takes a tough L. I'm sure they'll bounce back. Coach Ryan Pearson always has his guys ready to go. And they're going to have to go from here. Up. Only up. This is Kiwani's best start since 1999. They are 5-0, putting it on anybody that they play. Quarterback Will Bruno threw for two touchdown passes against Princeton, and now the Boilermaker has 15 on the season. In one, Weathersfield lost to Abingdon Avon 34-12. The Titans are now 3-2 on the season. In another game that I thought was going to be crucial, which it is crucial, I mean the Wins-loss records, whether you win or lose, that's very crucial all year long when you're only playing nine games. Sycamore defeated LP LaSalle-Peru 23-0. This was a huge game that both came into obviously wanting to win. Last year, both Interstate 8 squads finished undefeated, shared the conference. This year, Sycamore does not want to share it, defeating LP 23-0. I think the defining factor for the Spartans was Caden Lattice, their field goal kicker. He kicked a 45-yard field goal to take a 3-0 lead, and Sycamore kind of never lost the momentum. And every single time they needed an extra point kick, Lattice was there doing his thing. Sycamore is 4-1 overall, 3-0 in the conference to take the top of the white division of the Interstate 8. Morris is 5-0, but 2-0 in the conference. Caneland sits at third, 3-2, 2-1 in the I-8. LP is 3-2 overall, 1-1 in the I-8. Ottawa, 2-3 overall, 1-2 in the conference. And Woodstock and Woodstock North have not picked up any conference wins. We just mentioned Morris, 5-0, and they did it with a whopping 42-0 victory over Marengo on Friday. Getting out of the I-8 conference, kind of back into the big northern, Oregon took a 13-6 loss to Rockford Lutheran. In another basketball-type scoring game, Marquette defeated Chicago Hope 62-42. Marquette, only one loss as they are 4-1 overall. Ottawa snapped a three-game losing streak with a 36-21 victory over Woodstock North. St. Bede on Saturday while I was covering Mendota Hall. I was paying attention to the Bruins as they had their homecoming game against Riverdale. Ended with a 34-21 victory for the Bruins. Plano. They lost last week in week four for the first time of the season. So they're 3-1 coming into the game. And they just edged Johnsburg 27-26 to move to 4-1, 2-1, in the blue division of the Interstate 8. The Reapers are currently in third behind Richmond, Burton, and Marengo. Also in the blue division of the I-8 is Rochelle. They defeated Harvard by forfeit over the weekend. 
to move to 3-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the conference. Sandwich also in the I-8 Blue Division. They're 0-5 right after two forfeit losses, one being to LaSalle, Peru. They took a Week 5 loss, 55-6 to Richmond Burton. Seneca played Iroquois West over the weekend. Some Vermilion Valley Conference action. Seneca fell 32-20. Seneca is now 1-4, 0-1 in the VVC. Got a jump to the Illinois Central 8 Conference where Streeter fell to Mantino 42-28. Streeter is now 3-2 overall on the year, 1-2 in conference. Obviously ready for week 6. Pushing some football action, passing, throwing, defense. Gotta love some football, especially in this part of Illinois where kids live for it, coaches live for it, fans live for it. Everybody wants to see some amazing football. Football definitely helps with this. This is the best time of the year. It's not really super warm anymore. It's kind of hoodie weather, but it's beautiful hoodie weather. Baseball still being played. MLB postseason about to start. World Series just around the corner. Football. Is in week three after last night's Monday night football matchup. You can still cook out on the grill. And all renovations on your home can still be made. We all have improvements we want to make on our home. Whether it's inside, on any floor, in any room. Stairs, tiling, in the bathroom, the bedroom, the front room, the kitchen. Outside at the standing level. Siding and windows. Or a new roof, a garage, a shed. Any of the options, you name it. Olsen Construction has the ability to make everything in your house suit you and your family. Olsen Construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Not only do brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olsen have the skills to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, time for the percolator, but they also have the experience more than 10 years to take care of your home renovations from blueprint to completion with your thoughts, opinions, and wishes taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olsen Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Football is obviously not the only sport going on right now. Tons of other things to get to on Monday. Girls golf. Ottawa in the last triangular regular season event. I guess we would call it as postseason right around the corner. Ottawa defeated St. Bede and Seneca with a 188 for the Lady Pirates. Hannah Dugan tied a nine-hole school record for girls golf with a 36. Girls tennis, DeKalb knocked off Elgin, 3-1. Boys soccer, let's start with Saturday. Mendota picked up a 3-0 win over Monmouth Roseville on Saturday before the football game between Hall and Mendota. The Trojans boys soccer team is now 16-0 on the season. They're ranked third in the state in 1A, getting the job done, to say the least. They are so fast, they can score so quickly, and they're aggressive. Man, such a good team to watch. If you have not seen the Trojans, try to catch them. They have a game today, Tuesday, at home. Playoffs also right around the corner. I believe this is their last home game. So if you want to catch them at home, catch them today. 
Newark Seneca defeated Depew Hall 4-3. The goals for Newark. Angel Fernandez had two. Connor Morgan had one. And Adrian Lesky had one. Ottawa, in the first round of the I-8 tournament, knocked off Morris 6-0. Let's move indoors to the court. Volleyball court, that is. Marquette defeated Hall 25-23, 25-15. Behind Emma Ellenberger's six kills, the Anawan Wethersfield team defeated Stark County 25-10, 25-13. St. Bede knocked off Seneca 25-23, 25-21. Byron won over North Boone 25-9, 28-26. Byron also got it done in the swimming pool as they defeated Auburn, Woodstock, and IMSA in a four-team event. Getting back to the golf course, right where we started, full circle, let's do boys golf this time. Ottawa's Drake Kaufman won the Interstate 8 Conference Tournament, which was held at Bliss Creek Golf Course. What a magical moment for the sophomore, getting it done at the course. And he was trying to break records. Oh, he did. He tied the 18-hole mark for Ottawa with a 66. But he now owns the nine-hole record for Ottawa as he shot a five-under par in the front nine. The dude's got talent, and he's got more years to come with the Pirates. At the course in Sugar Grove, Ottawa actually finished second, one stroke shy of Kamelin, who won the conference meet. Sycamore and Morris tied for third, and LaSalle, Peru was in fifth. Getting back to individuals after Drake Kaufman, Sycamore's Ryan Poley was fourth. Morris's Nathan Hawk was fifth. Tied for fifth, actually, with Ottawa's Jonathan Cooper. Seventh was Plano's Mason Accidental. And 11th was Connor Normachek from LaSalle, Peru. We as humans or aliens, I know a couple of you are aliens. But whether you're human or not, we all like to be clean at all times. We have to stay fresh, smelling good, looking good, teeth shiny, hair did, all the works. Well, your car is the exact same way. It can't be filthy, fungus growing in the back seat, six layers of dust on the dash, coffee stains on the floorboard. No way. Mike's Pro Shop and Sales, located at 204 South Spalding Street in Spring Valley, will give your car the scrub-a-rub-dub it needs and deserves. Mike's disinfects to prevent sickness or the start of another pandemic. Mike's cleans, gets those tough places to reach where all the dirt and grime sits. Mike's rust proofs, so your vehicle stays hole free and has no structural issues. Mike's cares for fabric, extremely important if you have kids spilling everything they touch. Mike's makes the splat of the long drop from the kid past the car seat to the fabric disappear. Mike's is a full body shop and can tend to most automobile needs. And Mike's is also now offering pickup and delivery services. Contact Mike's Pro Shop and Sales to schedule a pedicure, manicure, and freshening up for your vehicle at 815-663-2060 or via email at mikespro-shop204 at gmail.com. Said it a few times, week three of the football season just ended. Monday night football, Cowboys picking up a victory over the Eagles. Let's backtrack, go through the games that were this week. Who won? See if we got it right. Cleveland Browns 
knocked out the Chicago Bears 26-6. They literally knocked them out. At least Justin Fields had nine sacks on the rookie Chicago quarterback. We know the line's atrocious. Knew the Cleveland Browns defense is pretty solid, like a good, good unit. So I thought he was going to have problems. I mean, he's a rookie. He has no line. Like, that's going to happen, especially in Chicago. Did not think nine sacks was on the forecast, but it was. I did pick that right, though. I couldn't go with the Bears over the Browns. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. In my heart, I want them to win. And if they win and it messes up my picks, I'm okay with that. But you got to be realistic as well. Panthers 24, Texans 9. Got that one correct. The Bills walloped Washington football team 43-21. Got that correct. Ravens hang on against the Lions, which seems like a crazy statement to say. Ravens 19, Lions 17. Got that one right. Titans 25, Colts 16. Was victorious there. The next four were all L's for me. Did not pick right here. Chargers knocked off Chiefs 30-24. Saints knocked off the Patriots 28-13. Falcons outshine the Giants 17-14. Bengals pick up a huge win over the Steelers 24-10. I was wrong about every single one of them. Three straight wins though. Cardinals over the Jags 31-19. Broncos shut out the Jets 26-0. Raiders picking up a tough victory, 31-28 over the Miami Dolphins. Then we go back to the losing side of things. So the Los Angeles Rams shocked the world by beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 34-24. The Vikings outdid the Seahawks, 30-17. And the Packers on Sunday Night Football, the last second field goal, Mason Crosby style, 30-28 over the San Francisco 49ers. The Cowboys made kind of easy work of the Eagles 41-21 Monday night football. The Eagles front line looked good. They were harassing Dak Prescott, but other than that, that was it. Jalen Hurts did not look like a good quarterback. Missed a lot of easy reads. Just looked flustered. And the Dallas secondary was killing it. They were all over Hurts, all over the running backs, wide receivers. If they thought you were going to get the ball, they were going to make sure you did not get the ball. So got that one right, the 41-21 victory for the Cowboys to make me 9-7 on the week. That is rough, 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 McGruff. What can also be rough is shopping. Thank you, Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads for making it just a little easier because it's not easy to shop nowadays. Store shopping is non-existent or it's a chore to get to a store. Online shopping is obviously where it's at. But what sites do you go to? Which sites are spam? Are you really going to get an item or did you just donate money? Which sites have the best deals? Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads makes the headache of shopping much easier and cheaper. The sisters, owners Cassie and Tanya Milas, find limited time deals or coupon codes and share them on their Facebook page, Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads. If there's something you're searching for, send them a message and they'll find it for you. They've already partnered with Amazon and plan to add many more partnerships for the best deals on all items. Through Amazon, Amazon Prime will be needed to purchase an item. But if you don't have it, no worries. The sisters will send you a link for a free 30-day trial period so you can get the items you can't live without. Follow Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads Facebook page to save you money and easily find all the items you're looking for 
or even the items that catch the eye. Any additional questions, send the sisters a message on Facebook or an email at tccsbusiness19 at gmail.com. Only one more thing to mention, that of course is the MLB. White Sox clinched the AL Central. They're 89-68 and 68 through 157 games. So happy for them. First time in 13 years they have won the AL Central. They deserve it. Great team. Amazing team. And I will be following them all through the MLB playoffs. And we'll share it with you. We'll discuss it together. We'll enjoy it. We'll be mad. All those emotions that go with sports and especially baseball right here on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Cubs had a little brutal season after the big trades. Not even going to talk about the trades because you know who they are. You know what has happened. Chicago Cubs, 67 and 89 right at the moment. Well, that's the show. We are going to kick it to Ted Landgraf and then Brent McKinney. Landgraf talking about the game against Hall on Saturday. McKinney talking about what he's doing with Pena High School. Took over as the girls basketball coach this summer. Ran some camps. Ready to get back in the gym, which is only 49 days away now. Yesterday was 50. If you have a Twitter account, all kinds of high school girls basketball coaches saying, we're only 50 days away. Let's go. And I'm saying the same thing. We will definitely dive into a lot of girls basketball on Edge of Your Seat podcast. Let's get to it. Let's talk to Ted. Let's talk to Brent. Have a great Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for listening to Edge of Your Seat podcast as always. Until next time. Peace. With Mendota senior quarterback Ted Landgraf, after the defeat over Hall, had to be a good feeling to knock them out. Yeah, it was a good feeling. We knew we could beat them, and uh, our first half wasn't too good, but we we got it out. We got it done in the second half. Let's talk about your ground game. I mean, you, Angulo, Magalinas, like mm-hmm. there were so many different options, and it seems like you guys have been doing that all year. Oh yeah, we've been doing it all year. Uh, the only the only bad thing about this game was that we had to use it. Usually, it's something that we can. We can use throughout the game and pass, but uh, we had we had to use this time. It was just the line did really well blocking, and uh, it worked out in the end. Was the wind a factor? As a quarterback, I can't I can't keep that in my mind. I should be able to play the wind. That wasn't that was throwing bad today. Had three picks, but then the second half he goes straight to your legs over 150 yards and just kept moving the chains. Yep. When one thing doesn't work, you gotta you gotta find something that does. And was that a you call? Was that coach's call? Was that just kind of the whole team being like, hey, this isn't working, let's switch it up and try to get past this Hall defense? Uh, at halftime, we were thinking about it and we were talking about what will work. Uh, I'd say it was a whole team thing. I mean, this win moves you 4-1. and one. Three Rivers Conference, Mississippi Division is really tough. You have Princeton and Kiwani. Mm-hmm. You know, they battled last night, Kiwani wins, so they're 5-0. and oh. Princeton's 4-1. and one. St. Pete is now 4-1 and one with their win today over Riverdale. Mm-hmm. So very competitive conference. Your first year in here and you guys are, you know, holding your own. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, we're looking forward to play some, some of those great teams. We already lost to Princeton, but I, I know we can play way better than we did with them and way better than we did today. So we're looking forward to the future. Talk about the positive movement of this team. I mean, coming into the season, I think since 2015, it was like six wins and in the 50s and losses. And now you guys are 4-1, and one, making, you know, changing right. the culture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're changing the culture. We're, it's... Uh, it's not just this year. It's been a 
a work in progress through over four years since uh, this senior class has been here, and we're trying to leave a legacy for the next next group to come up and do the same thing we're doing and do better. So it all starts with a good class. What are some of the components of changing that culture? What are some things that you're passing down to the you know, juniors and sophomores and freshmen, like, hey, we need to do this to keep winning and keeping this Mendota football a positive thing? It's bringing each other with you. Uh, it's it, This is a team game, but it's if anything was a family game, it'd be this one. You, I look as with my teammates as family, and everyone else does. Uh, we used Christian Velez when he got knocked out with a blind side, a cheap shot in the team room. We used that to fuel our fire. Um, we do not let other teams hurt our own. We won't let other teams do that to, our, to us, and we'll do it to them. All right, man, I mean, coming after this game, big win against Hall, moving to the forward with the rest of the season, what are some things that you guys are going to keep continue pushing that has been successful for you? We're going to get the pass game going. We're going to focus on that. I want to focus on that in practice. And we're going to we're going to be a dual threat. We're going to we're going to be able to pass the ball. We're going to be able to run the ball. We're going to be able to do whatever we want. Uh, we're not going to let the defense decide what we're doing. We're going to we're going to do what works for us. Perfect. Well, thanks for having a word with Edge of Your Seat podcast, and keep up the good stuff, man. What I've seen from Mendota football is nothing but positive. Thank you. We have so much to talk about. My guest today, Brent McKinney. Brent, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on. For sure. We've been talking about this for a while, but your schedule, my schedule, things going on in lives, we haven't been able to connect. Now we can, and we have lots of stuff to dive into. First, you were a former Mendota girls basketball coach. That's where we met as I covered you for the local newspaper here. Now you're taking over another program. That is correct. I was up there, uh, Mendota, for you know three years and you know, had, a, had a good time up there. Got to meet people like yourself and work with a great uh, coaching staff and great teaching staff as well. And then, yeah, I was able to, to head down this way to kind of get closer to the family for my wife and I. And we are in um, Pena, Illinois. And I just past summer became official that I am head girl basketball coach here now. Last year, I was the assistant coach here, and very happy with with that. And you know, wasn't sure if I how quickly I get another opportunity to get back at it, and it opened up fairly quick. So, you know, happy to be back at it in charge again. You definitely have a love for basketball. We've talked about this before, but you've been pretty much around basketball. Well, I'm going to say probably like 95 percent of your life. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just love the sport. I know that growing up as a kid, my dad was a scorekeeper for Homewood Glossmore High School, and it seemed like the only thing that really worked discipline-wise for me was if I didn't go to the game. You know, my parents could ground me, they could spank me, they could do whatever they wanted, but that never really fazed me. But if they they weren't going to take me to the basketball game as a kid, that was about the worst thing to do. So basketball's always been a huge part of my life, and at 46, that's still a huge part of my life. And I'm hopefully passing that torch on to my to my kids, being in the gym and being around the sport. Definitely, you did say you moved to Pena, uh, be around more family for you and your wife. What is your wife's name? Cindy. Um, she's from Bloomington, um, actually from a town called El Paso, and then. My parents raised us in the south suburbs of Chicago, but then they retired to the 
It's the other side of Hannibal, Missouri, a small town called Paris, Missouri. So Pena is just almost like perfectly in the middle between, you know, two separate grandparents. So it's a, a, a great location and a good fit. Gotcha. Before you had moved down there, I had never heard of Pena. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's just... Uh, South of Decatur, probably about 45 minutes, and then probably east of uh, of Springfield, about 50 minutes. And on, just on the other side of, of Taylorville, it's probably a little bigger town that's closer here. We're a 2A school. The town is probably about six, 7,000 or so. So really, it's kind of Mendota in central Illinois. Absolutely. We're surrounded by corn, just like Mendota was. And it sounds roughly around the same size. Mendota goes back and forth from 2A, 3A, but roughly around six, 7,000 people. Yeah, yeah. Our enrollment, I think, is around 380-ish, right around there. But, yeah, the town is, you know, we got a hospital, just kind of like Mendota did. You know, we got a lot of the same businesses that, you know, hopefully let these small towns keep thriving. When I left, you know, Mendota, for going on five years ago, I guess, you know, I was just kind of, you know, happy to kind of maybe step back and, and be an assistant for a while. And we were at Riverton for a couple years and then had a great opportunity in a, in a good district with Pena. So we made the move over here and was going to be assistant girls basketball and assistant baseball. And so it was just, you know, great timing. Not saying I ever, you know, put the X on ever becoming a head coach, but I was more than happy just to be a, you know, assistant coach for a while. And then an opportunity opened up this past year was kind of a crazy, crazy year. And so I had to kind of step in as a, a interim head coach and, you know, I had to, to do that during this year was kind of interesting. And then finally the summer, then they, you know, obviously they offered me the uh, job then. With being an assistant for a couple of years and now you're taking over the program, are you going in there thinking, okay, I got to redo everything, I have to change things? Or what is your mindset going in, you know, first year taking over? Well, you know, luckily I, we had a, you know, my first year down here, we had a, a really good sophomore group and then we had some, you know, good, you know, juniors and seniors as well. And so I had those kids on the JV team. So that helped out quite a bit. And then, the, you know, the next year they became juniors, which was just past um, school year. And I had a situation right before the season started where the head coach wasn't coming back. And so... Uh, I, you know, as a JV coach, kind of stepped in, so that was that was kind of nice too, because the kids were very accepting. They'd already kind of you know played for me the year before and kind of knew what to expect. But you know, as far as coming in and, and changing some things, X's and O's, not a whole lot. Just want to keep fine tuning and keep working on you know the nice group of kids that that we have. And then on the flip side of that, you know, with the with the head coaching, if you want to try to build for the future as well. And so trying to do things for the younger levels and, and try to build up numbers. And a couple weeks ago, we started our, uh, you know, summer camp for the kids. And we did first through sixth grade. And they had never gone down below, you know, fourth grade. So first grade to third grade. 
was the first time that you know anybody's ever you know tried to do a, a summer camp for that, and we had you know great numbers between the two sessions. We had about sixty-five kids from first grade to you know uh, incoming sixth grade girls. So that's just phenomenal numbers to have. Unfortunately, though, it got cut short on the last day. My wife and I fell ill, so it got cut short one day but the turnout was you know was phenomenal you know and that's something else to you know try to keep on building you don't want to just have a good group and then you got to wait another five six years before you have another you know good group i want to try to just kind of keep keep the line moving um, kind of a thing and so that's probably the, you know one of the biggest things i've done for this summer was trying to lay that foundation for you know five six seven years from now Okay, so you have experienced bonds with the team that you're kind of taking over already because of being an assistant coach, because of working with the lower levels and being there as an interim coach last year. And now you're trying to build up the program from the ground up too. So it sounds like you're already developed, even though this is going to be your first year as the head coach. Oh yeah, definitely had a you know a, a different advantage as let's say coming into you know Mendota a few years ago when I didn't know anybody you know coming in or you know anytime you take a, a new job or something and you're not in the district already there's always a little bit of a you know adjustment period so to already been here one full year definitely made things easier but. I mean, being here at Payne, it's been a goofy couple years here just because that first year, all of a sudden everything kind of got shut down in the springtime with COVID. So the fourth quarter was just kind of non-existent. And last year, everything was, you know, mask and, and stuff. So now going into this year, even though it's going to be like my third year, still kind of weird what kind of a year we're going to have. Yeah, this COVID-19 thing has kind of messed up everything for everybody. Definitely uh, rearranged how Edge of Your Seat podcast was doing things. Uh, I mean, we're waiting for a basketball season this past year. Don't know if it's going to happen. One day it isn't. Next day it is. And then, bam, everything is full-fledged from then on to the end of the year. All sports kind of overlapping each other. And then now numbers are spiking again. And it's just overwhelming to all of us at this point. It is. I, I mean, I want to. You got to give the kids credit for doing it. You know, I mean, especially when we're in a, a smaller school, we need our kids to play multiple sports, and for them to go all of a sudden kind of on a roller coaster where I, I don't know if we're gonna play anything, and all of a sudden, you know, basketball was the first thing to go, and then all of a sudden, it was about a one week overlap with the basically the fall sports, and then. There's about a two-week overlap between the fall sports and the spring sports, and you know, and those, and that was kind of one thing we did this summer. I mean, since I've been around the kids and they already know the system, I didn't feel a huge urgency. I got to get everything in. I got to get everything in. After the, you know, the second semester that these kids had, they needed a break. They needed a downtime. I remember we started our open gyms right when school got out. And, I mean, there was still about a two- or three-week overlap because I had a bunch of kids that were in track, soccer, and softball. We just took this opportunity to really work on, like, a lot of form shooting, you know, things that were non-contact, you know, stationary ball handling, and really try to work on that kind of stuff. But, I mean, these kids, I, I thought they needed a, 
a break this summer because we kind of pulled them pretty hard here toward the end. So I'm really hoping everything will kind of get back to the normal season anyway um, for, you know, for these kids. Is this the strangest year you've ever experienced as a coach or a player or in general? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like you said, you know, everybody was trying to figure out what sport's going to go first, who's going to go first, are we even going to go kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden it went from that to we didn't have a head coach in place. We had a freshman coach that resigned and, and they didn't, you know, really worry about trying to fill that in because they didn't know when they were going to uh, play. And so all of a sudden everything just kind of, you know, fell into to my lap by myself. Uh, luckily I had a, we had a volunteer coach the year before, you know, he came back, Mark Byers came back and helped me out. But I mean, there were nights when we had triple headers that I was coaching the freshman game, then turn around coach the JV game, and then turn around and coach the uh, varsity game. So I mean, it was definitely, definitely exhausting. Even though it was what maybe a five, six week season or so, but it was definitely a very exhausting um, season for us. Well, hopefully, as time moves on here, things calm down a little bit. And we get back to, uh, I don't even know what normal is, but something that's not as overwhelming, not as exhausting, not as taxing as it has been lately. And hopefully for you and all the athletes at Pena, definitely, because, I mean, like you said, they bounce around from sport to sport to sport, put all that stress and busyness on their body and mentally. That's That's got to be taxing. That's a lot. Yeah, and I, and I know that last week, I mean, we we played 16 basketball games this past past year. That last week, we had a game Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off on Thursday, and played Friday, Saturday. So what, five games in six days that last week? You know, so I mean, I would. Just, it got to the point where we didn't even line up for free throws because I just kind of got worried. I don't want to risk an injury or a, a tweaked ankle or something to have a kid go down and then all of a sudden they miss the next season kind of a thing so I mean it's definitely nice to get back to normal seasons and maybe not try to log jam so many you know so many games in a, in a week span well, we got to get rid of talking about this crazy COVID-19 stuff and be a little more positive here what is it about Pena, you know, obviously you're already there in the area. You're a teacher, correct? That is correct, yep. What is it about the basketball program in general that kind of drew you in? And then you're like, hey, I want to take over and I want to do the best for these kids. What was it about that school, that area, that opportunity that has got you there? Well, I mean, Pena has a, a very rich um, basketball history on, on both sides, boys and, and girls. And when I was first uh, a head coach down in southern Illinois in a town called Olney down there as a head coach, you know, you always heard about, you know, Pena because they were a good, you know, 2A program. And so we would actually come up here in the summertime and play in a, in a shootout. You know, they, they always seemed to have good numbers and, you know, and, and good talent. You have two different schools here in town. You have a, a private school, a Catholic school, and then you have like a public school. So, you know, every year you seem to have, you know, 
almost, you know, 10, you know, eighth graders that have a lot of playing experience. So that's something that definitely, you know, helps out where you can have numbers. And especially it seems like here lately in a lot of the smaller schools, girls teams are having a hard time feeling, you know, even a JV team. You know, a lot of time when we play a game or we play somebody, they may ask to play like five or six minute quarters just because they don't have enough kids to really, you know, play a full full load. And I want to say, you know, this coming year, I'll have anywhere from about 24 to 30 girls in the program. So, you know, that's something that's always a, a good thing. And Payne has always had a, a good history in their other sports. You know, it's, it's, uh, football's always been pretty good. You know, girls' volleyball's always been, you know, pretty good. They've got a streak of something like, you know, I don't know, like 10 straight regional titles or something. So, I mean, they've you know, always done pretty well. Track has always done well. And now that I have, you know, two kids and, you know, that kind of stuff is important to me. I want them to be a part of good programs and, you know, have a good opportunity and, and you know, play for some good coaches and have some success along the along the way so that was you know a huge part of it too just knowing the history that that Pena has and you know that first year we came here for you know a football game and I mean the atmosphere is just insane for a 2A football game you know I got beautiful nice little kind of an entry to the stadium and fireworks that go off after a touchdown and stuff so it's you know it's just a pretty cool town as far as care about their you know, high school sports, and you know, I think another thing that'll be exciting is they're going to let people back in the stands now. Because that was the thing with with basketball. I think there is like our school just let you know two tickets or something for each each kid, and then things started to open up a little bit later. So that's another thing I'm looking forward to getting back to to normal is having you know the big crowds, and I think this town is definitely ready to come back in and watch stuff that they missed out on. Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff. So it seems like a lot of positives with your move to Pena. Oh, absolutely. It's been a great town. You know, good facilities here in town. I mean, it's just a location, you know, dedication to what they want to do is, is you know, a good opportunity. It's, yeah, it's just a great thing for you know, for everybody, even if my kids don't go down the athletic path, they still have, you know, music and fine arts and stuff if they chose to go down that one. So it's got, you know, for a small school, it's got a lot of opportunities for the kids. Definitely. What are your kids' names and how old are they? Brooke is now going to be going into sixth grade. So she has tryouts for softball tomorrow for junior high softball. So she's looking forward to that. And then I got Lily, who was born just about that last year at Mendota. So she just turned five. So she'll be starting kindergarten um, coming up here. So it's, it's crazy how this time passes. That is true. Time passes crazy. <laughs> it's fast. It is quick. I mean, she, Brookie is 11 now. I mean, it's just like, yeah, wow, where'd it go? Yeah. I mean, she's probably another, another couple of years, I'll say. Maybe at the end of in her seventh grade year, she might be taller than me. And that's why I told people we had to have another kid. I couldn't be the shortest person in the house. <laughs> well, what if they're all taller than you? That's great. That's great. I'll, I'll be happy with that. If in another 10 years, Lily is taller than me, I'll be okay with that. 
<laughs> perfect, perfect. We talked about Mendota a couple times. I led you into that because that's how I met you. Uh, pretty good run for three years. I mean, you had a really good team with Amy Devitt and Brooke Carroll and the Broman Schinkel twins and Allie and Abby and some background players. Had a really good team, good run there. And left, obviously, location was best for you and Pena and your family. But I know you have some ties still in Mendota and, you know, some relationships that you were glad that you made while you were here. Good people up there I still keep in touch with and talk to. And actually, last fall, all of a sudden, I got a text message from someone from Mendota. I was like, hey, what's your address? I'm thinking they're going to mail me something or something. And about an hour later, I got Brian Bloomhurst at my door. That does not surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> that dude that was kind of cool. They were on a trip down south and were swinging back up north and stopped by and had a little visit. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of great people that I've crossed paths with in, you know, in, in Mendota and the surrounding areas, too. A lot of great coaches in that area. If everybody was like Brian Bloomhurst, this world would be a, an amazing place. It would be a lot easier. Yeah, Definitely. no doubt. He gave me uh, golf clubs about a month ago because I wanted to play golf. And he's like, I got you. I'll give you some clubs. They were archaic, but, hey, they worked for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, super good dude. Very happy to see him. And just kind of also a small world with kind of with Bloomhurst. When I first moved away and was down at Riverton, all of a sudden I run <laughs> his brother started umpiring our baseball game. So, <laughs> small world. You know, I mean, Lily was born there. I mean, so that's a huge, you know, part of it, having, you know, a kid born there in the hospital. So that was, you know, that'll always be, you know, special to us. Um, Cubs won the World Series while I was in Mendota, so I'll always know exactly where I was at for that. And then just, you know, a great teaching staff and coaching staff. I already said basketball, huge part of your life. Obviously, basketball coach, it's what you do. NBA Finals just ended. What did you think about this Finals with the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns? I enjoyed it for the fact that it was two lesser-known teams because I kind of get a little bit tired of the the super team kind of thing. So I, I kind of had, you know, I was, you know, fearing the deer. So I was, uh, you know, kind of rooting for them. And then when they knocked off uh, the Nets... You know, they knocked off Brooklyn. I was really happy to be able to see them, you know, get to the finals. You know, I know it might not have had the star power that normally the finals may have, but it was still, I thought, you know, very competitive, very well played. And just, I knew Giannis was, was a pretty good player, but he was unstoppable. I mean, there was just nothing the Suns could do. They had nobody they could physically match up with his strength. And then, to be able to stop him from off the dribble and stuff. I mean, it was just in, in, insane. So it was, it's good to see, I think, for I think it's good for the NBA to have, you know, smaller market teams and, and hopefully generate some success. And now next year, hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll cause a little more rivalry between some of the other NBA teams. Yeah, I agree with you. It was cool not having a star-studded super team finals. And it was just as compelling, just as dramatic, just as awesome as you know a normal finals would be i don't want to call it abnormal by any means but it was kind of different we didn't know who was going to be in the finals before we knew pretty much every year 
there was about a four-year gap where you penciled in, actually probably markered with a Sharpie, Golden State Warriors and whatever team LeBron was on, whether it's the Miami Heat or Cleveland Cavaliers, every single year. Now it's it, it was kind of different. We didn't know who. I was going to say, I mean, I actually watched about every game, you know, and I probably can't say that I've done that for a while. You know, my daughter and I sat down and we just, we watched the game. Never realized how dominating, you know, Giannis was there. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. I think he'll add that to, you know, LeBron and Kevin Durant and those guys to see what they're going to do to try to beat them. Or, or if people are going to want to go to Milwaukee now all of a sudden to want to try to, I want to say chase a ring, but try to, you know, give him the best chance to win. Do you think Giannis is now the best player in the world? Ooh, that, that's tough. Ooh. I mean, I'd have to go with, obviously, him or LeBron. But, man, I would watch that. I'd pay, pay to watch him play one-on-one for sure. But, I mean, wow. I don't know. I would say he's got to be... I don't want to say he's a 1B, but maybe a 2A, LeBron, is until somebody can constantly, you know, dethrone him or win, you know, multiple MVPs or a title, I think you kind of still have to possibly give it to, you know, to Le- LeBron, but he's got to be right behind, and Kevin Durant's got to be right up there, too. Going back to the NBA Finals, one little nugget left. Chris Paul, man. I picked the Suns in six. I just wanted to see Chris Paul get a ring. I'm glad Giannis made his ascension. He dominated in the finals. He moved a tier or two just in the finals alone from what people viewed him as. But Chris Paul, 16-year vet, they call him the point god, has done everything except achieve anything in the postseason. Once it gets to the postseason, it's like he's just an average Joe player. I do think he was hurt. I do think things were happening to him that he couldn't control, but it was kind of sad to see him not get a ring because how many more chances does he have? He's 37 years old. After that first game, made him like the overall favorite to be MVP in the series. I don't know if he ran out of gas a little bit and, you know, playing all the games kind of caught up with him, but he still, he can still shoot the ball. I mean, he can still hit tough shots over guys. He definitely still has some value to people who can help him out. I mean, on Phoenix's end, in game six, he scored 27 points and had five assists. And not saying he did a bad job. Devin Booker was 8 of 22, 0 of 7 from 3. When he was kind of, you know, the Suns' go-to guy through the playoffs, he disappeared. I, yeah, I agree with that. I thought later on in the series, he kind of like, I don't know if they got in his head a little bit with some of the steals and I, I thought I saw somebody post sometime that they put a curse on him because whatever game that was the third or the fourth game where he should have fouled out because he wrapped up the person on the like a breakaway and they didn't call it at all he kind of faded and had a harder time with that I thought uh Portis I thought did a pretty good job guarding him on the perimeter made it made it tough for him to get you know consistently good looks I'm not trying to jump on the Bobby Portis bandwagon. I do think he's important. I do think he was the X factor in a couple of those games. And I did already like him as a Chicago Bull. I was actually mad when he left the Bulls, or actually the Bulls got rid of him. I would have much rather them get rid of the bum, Flory Marketing, or a couple of the other guys that they had. I wanted them to keep Bobby Portis. So maybe I was already on the bandwagon. But anyway, 
what he did was kind of fantastic. He was that energy guy, the glue guy, the, hey, I'm going to play as hard as I can guy. And everybody kind of followed around that. And it was amazing to watch. Yeah, he definitely, I mean, he was kind of long and lanky and he he created problems for Booker. And I think it ultimately kind of got in his head a little bit. And then he knocked, he would knock down some corner threes too. But everybody's trying to stop, obviously, you know, Giannis. So he'd just be spotting up in the corner and he hit a couple threes too. Yeah, I think he had 16 in the final game in game six. That was huge. Another reason I wanted to have you on the show you had started this really cool thing. I wanted to have you on way earlier, but like I said, schedules and things like that. During NCAA basketball season, you had started something real cool with mid-major schools. Yeah, I've always had a, a love for um, mid-majors. And it probably started about, oh, well, 10, 12 years ago. I, I started going on a spring trip. As soon as basketball season was over, I might... You know, just to kind of recharge my batteries, I started going on a um, March Madness trip. And I, what I would do is I would pick a mid-major conference tournament, and then I would just go have a vacation and, and you know, fly out there and spend three, four days and, and watch a, you know, a tournament. You know, I just, I just love the mid-major atmosphere. Sometimes they don't get the love that they deserve. You know, that is their NCAA tournament. So, I mean, just to... The level of competitiveness, the energy, the how hard that they play. Because you know, I've been to the SEC and the, you know the Big Ten. Not saying that they don't play hard or anything, but they know that they're going to get seven, eight teams in. You know, you go to the Big South or the SoCon tournament or something, or and you know they're only getting one team in, and so just. Uh, that level of just knowing that it's just fun to you know to watch and the atmosphere is good so i started to, to do that well then this past year when you weren't really sure if we were going to have a basketball season i still had all this basketball energy kind of pinned up inside me and nowhere to go with it and so i'm like you know what? i'll just try it out and see how it goes and so i created a, a twitter feed and it just called McKinney's mid-major madness and so I just kind of watch games or create my own list of stuff and so it was, was kind of fun for me it's actually kind of like therapy for me to help get this basketball energy you know off my off my chest so I had a lot of fun doing it I mean there'd be times I'd have the computer set up and I'd have two different TVs going on watching the different you know mid-major games and stuff and I do my own you know my own rankings and stuff so I had a lot of fun doing it I had fun following it I am an alum of Southern Illinois University Missouri Valley Conference I try to pay attention to as much as possible especially they have awesome teams in there every single year this year Drake was pretty crazy SIU started the season pretty awesome going 7-0 and and then kind of falling off afterwards. But So I was watching it too to see Missouri Valley teams in there and it was just cool to see because nobody else does anything like that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of you know interest for it and, you know, and then for a while I was kind of debating you know, finding out the definition of what is you know, like a mid-major and stuff. So I even made it even a little bit smaller yet. Because sometimes you get like the, well, like Gonzaga, you know, some of the other, you know, people that do a 
ranking or something considered Gonzaga, you know, still a mid-major, and I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time at this point when they're a Final Four contender every year, and I know that's not the true definition of mid-major, but I want to give some of these other teams some love and a, an opportunity to you know, get some notice, so I kind of even made it smaller yet, you know. I mean, Drake was fun to watch. Obviously, Loyola was good in there. You know, that might sting a little bit for some people, but, you know, they were a really good addition to the Missouri Valley as well. Definitely a good fit for them, and Missouri Valley, definitely one of the, you know, mid-major conferences out there. Let's play a game. Let's do top five Olympic sports. You can start at one or five. One being the best, five being the least out of the top five. And you can start anywhere you want to. What are your top five Olympic sports for the summer games in Tokyo? I'm going to go number five. I'm going to go with that that three-on-three basketball just because it's something that's kind of new and it's pretty entertaining, fast-paced. You can't can't step away from the TV at all, so it's pretty pretty entertaining. So I'm going to go with that as my number five pick. Number four pick I'm going to go with will be will be uh, team handball. The watching that that's kind of kind of crazy, kind of kind of fun. Number three I'm going to go with. It's hard to get away from track. Track is always I love watching people run. So I don't know if it's the fact that I can't run or or what, but I uh, I love watching the, the obviously the sprints and the hurdles and stuff. It just blows my mind how how fast these people are. And then number two watched a lot of it yesterday, and that was badminton. Sometimes I feel like that might be my only shot at a gold medal. Not even a gold medal. I'd be happy with the bronze medal in a Summer Olympics. So, but it's it's just fun to see how how fast they are with it. Uh, the announcers were talking about like how hard that these people can hit the you know hit the shuttlecock, and they're saying some of them can hit up to like 200 miles an hour, and they're trying to translate that from like you know baseball fastball is maybe 95 mile an hour so you're talking twice as fast as that and obviously you're much you know much closer than you know home to the pitcher's mound and you are in badminton so that's just been mind-blowing their hand-eye coordination with with that particular sport and then my number one I'd have to go. We stayed up just to watch this last night, and we were actually kind of upset because fencing went a little bit too long, and so it, it, it cut into the start of the, the game. But we're we're kind of into the water polo. That's a lot of lot of fun to watch. I do not think I've ever watched water polo. <laughs> like I said, maybe last time I watched it was five years ago. But for some reason, for these. 10 days or so it's it's pretty fun to watch and last night we watched usa beat japan by two might have been like 17 to 15 or something like that but it was back and forth game it's pretty pretty intense watching these people try to swim in i don't know seven eight feet of water and people hanging on them and they're trying to throw it it's just it's just amazing how good a shape they're in and and the strategy that goes with it well, Brett McKenney, new girls coach at Pena, 
Thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you, and sounds like everything is going awesome for you and your family at the moment. So congrats on the new job, and you know we'll stay in touch to see how the Painter Girls basketball team goes this upcoming season. I appreciate that, and anytime you want to chat, I'm always always make time for you. Aw, that makes me feel special. 